All right, hello everybody and welcome. It is time for another live show on May the 4th. I shouldn't probably date these things because they actually uh, do quite well on the replay if you're watching this, forgive us. But it's May the 4th, you know how it goes for geeks. Uh, welcome to Tech 37, my name is Rob Boyd. I'll be your host for today uh, as usual. And we've got uh, an exciting topic, one that um, had to be explained to me several times, quite frankly, and we're gonna do a little bit more of that explaining here uh, because I understand the technologies, but it's the magic of bringing these things together is what really makes this work. And we're talking about um, where, would, where could IT and OT, in terms of departmental groups, come together perhaps and we need your uh, input on this stuff. Want to interact with you a little bit if we could on the notion of uh, SD-WAN uh, being used as an overlay technology to uh, segment routing. Benefits, drawbacks, what are your thoughts? What kind of things can we do? What could it be doing better for you? We're gonna discuss that. We've got the right experts here to join us. Let's go ahead and take a look now. All right, gentlemen. Hey, welcome to Tech 37. Mike, Ryan, I love people with short, easy, simple names for me. Uh, we had Tree on here before, which I thought, now that nailed it. Um, I'm gonna keep referring to him because I just like his name so much. Guys, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, one thing I failed to mention in the open is our standard tagline, Tech 37, your home for technology, education, and collaboration. Uh, and today we're gonna try to avoid in our 37 minutes here going too deep because I really feel like this is a topic that's got deep roots uh, in a lot of different places. But the point that you guys wanted to make in terms of what y'all have been discussing and learning and working with your customers on is around this notion of where IT and OT could possibly come together in a more harmonious manner. Uh, hopefully we didn't lose anybody when we talked about those two coming together. Either way, let's make sure everybody knows who you are because Mike, you've been on here. Ryan, it's your first time. Uh, but Mike, go ahead and uh, you mind introducing yourself? Sure, Mike DiVincenzo. Thanks for having me, Rob. Uh, here to talk about segment routing and SD-WAN. Been here a couple times before talking about segment routing. I work for WWT. I'm a technical solutions architect. Spent 14 years with Cisco before that, and I'm very heavily involved with segment routing and all the publications that go along with that. Perfect, perfect. And I want to make sure we distinguish this because, um, uh, Ryan, you seem to have a similar title. So I wonder if you could describe what you do, maybe also in contrast, especially as it relates to our uh, topic for today with what Mike does. I think it'll become obvious when we start getting into the details between you two, uh, because you both know a lot of the same things, but you also are specialized and have background uh, in these areas. But Ryan, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure, Ryan McKelkey. I'm also a technical solutions architect here at Worldwide Technology. Uh, so, but for me, I focus on SD-WAN campus networking, but I've, I've been a networked dork for the past you know, 25 years. Um, and my technology set is, you know, typically more focused towards the IT side of the house versus the OT side, the backbone routing, uh, like where Mike is. But uh, unlike a lot of people out there, I have jumped the chasm a couple of times, right? So I've, I've worked on both service provider side, IT side. Uh, so, you know, I, I have understandings of both technologies, which, you know, again, most of the time you pick your track and you stick there until you retire. But uh, I, well, I but I think, I, and, and I, I appreciate your point there because it, it, there's actually though, when it comes to networking knowledge, there is a, there is a lot of overlap and there's, there's certainly principles and physics that apply to, in a lot of directions and the technologies, but yeah, you guys have been working uh, in different areas and it kind of helps here to explain things. And so Mike, I wonder if you could kick things off in terms of this topic. Uh, could you kind of explain 
quickly, uh, maybe the genesis, and then I'll have you kind of set us up. We'll start with uh, what is important to understand about segment routing to kind of baseline anybody that's maybe not intimately familiar with it. Um, and then I'll come to Ryan for SD-WAN. Sure, Rob. So uh, segment routing has been around since about 2014 in, in multiple flavors now, but mainly segment routing MPLS is what we'll be talking about today. It's really just an evolution and simplification of MPLS. That's the big thing. So from an operational perspective, operationally, it's much easier. It's easier to maintain. All the complexities of doing traditional MPLS have been removed from segment routing MPLS. And in addition to that, we add things like fast reroute. So 50 millisecond or less fast reroute protection, which is very important in a lot of networks nowadays for real-time traffic, whether it's voice, video, or real-time data, financials, whatever it might be, OTE and utilities. It's all very relevant with fast reroute. And you get that for free with segment routing. And you also get traffic engineering, which people have swayed away from because traffic engineering is very complex. But now you get the ability to do traffic engineering without the complexity of traffic engineering, which is like the best of both worlds. So now people are looking at things like delay-based routing instead of you know shortest path routing, just a cost-based routing. And then you have constraint-based routing. You can constrain your routing based upon certain criteria in the network, whether it's crossing similar optical paths or the same optical path, or just a, a link that you want to avoid, whether it's because of cost, you can do constraint-based routing and you can put all that together. It doesn't have to be one yeah. or the other. Well, I may have you flesh out a few more of those things to make sure we understand the, the benefits there, but let's go ahead and get uh, SD-WAN introduced into the conversation. And Ryan, I wonder if you could set this up for us because some of the things also, because I'm just going to prompt you to go ahead and contrast here a bit. Some of the things mentioned within segment routing sound like things you get with SD-WAN um, to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, so do, what's important to understand here? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, SD-WAN, right, I think a lot of people are familiar with it. And and initially, it was sold as almost, you know, the a combatant to, you know, the typical MPLS uh, backbone, right? You could, you know, it was, it was sold originally to save money, right, to to be able to, to run everything, anything and everything over the internet. And I think the truth is somewhere in between, right? The, yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, it gives, you know, customers a chance to be, you know, agnostic in terms of transport, utilize things that were once relegated for, you know, backup has LTE or commodity internet or 5G nowadays, right? Uh, being able to leverage those paths as, from a primary perspective because you're, you know, constantly monitoring them and, and have policy and SLAs in place that, you know, allow you to to say, okay, voice and video can go over and, you know, in these particular circumstances. And then if it gets out of spec, you know, send it over another path, which is constantly being monitored and, and you know, define all that within policy, not in CLI, define it once, push it to, you know, everywhere from your five sites to 5,000 sites, doesn't matter, it scales well, right? So that's really the, the, uh, the secret of SD-WAN. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned, because I mean, it really is, it's, SD-WAN is not, in, in my mind, and maybe I'm just trying to project this onto others, but I always think SD-WAN primarily, I think of that almost congruently with um, uh, with broadband, uh, you know, internet-based connections, and we move away from expensive, nailed-up MPLS links. It just strikes me now, if you see both these technologies have been brought about to try and do something about MPLS, and MPLS is so well embedded um, and well-known and understood, you know, it doesn't go away easily, yeah. and maybe doesn't need to. But um, yeah. 
But, uh, so Ryan, while you've got the proverbial microphone here, what is the idea? Because to set this up, I think we generally think we, we start at the top talking about OT versus IT and generally think these are two groups within uh, many customers who are not always going to be working hand in hand with each other. Um, right. And that's part of what you you and Mike are kind of wanted to address here with what you're seeing customers do. But can you tell me a little bit about how these two intersect and and, and what kind of problem is it solving? What, what, who's, who's this most pertinent for? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, at the end of the day, and why I mentioned you know early on the SD WAN of you know trying to necessarily get rid of MPLS. That's not the that's not the idea. And and this conversation is how to leverage you know this this uh, segment routing MP, or you know MPLS backbone as a transport, right? Being able to give IT OTs wares, if uh, you know if you want to state it that way. Uh, have this super reliable, high bandwidth, low latency link, right? But not handling, the OT folks are not handling the day-to-day -day changes, right? At the speed of IT, uh, they, you know, it's a transport and then SD-WAN just has, uses that as an underlay and then overlays it based on tunnels and can do all the moves, ads, and changes on a daily basis, not impacting that of the OT, of OT's live, right? Um, so it's kind of the best of both worlds where, you know, typically, the those two organizations will have completely separate infrastructures might not even know what each other's circuit capabilities are at a particular site right because they're they're very separate uh, and there's a lot of redundancy between the two networks yeah mike going to build on that yeah so one of the big things that comes into play when you do this as ryan mentioned it is sd-wan is an overlay technology and it's dependent upon whatever the underlay is, whether it's the internet or whether it's the backbone. And what we're providing with segment routing and the combination of the two is pro we're providing a backbone and a transport that's much more versatile okay. and much more flexible. In the past, we thought of, okay, we wanna get from point A to point B. We're gonna choose the shortest path. That's gonna be the high bandwidth path with the least number of hops. And that's pretty much how it's gonna work. Now we're going to add things like, hey, we want to create a path that's delay based and we can force traffic based upon IP addresses over that path. And anybody else is going to use that path now. So now there's not only one path in the network. There's there's multiple paths, constraint paths, delay based paths, and we can build these as subsets so they can exist harmoniously where we have multiple basically IGP paths through the network based upon different criteria and anybody can take advantage of it. Any overlay technology can take advantage of those paths. And sticking to that, so the, but, the, but the idea there is that everything you're proposing, when we talk about running SD-WAN over segment routing, um, which is also an, an underlay overlay type combination, um, you know, but, it, but you know, in the very controller based, we've got a lot of um, uh, our worlds overlapping quickly here, but for good gain, uh, when you talk about putting it over, this, the, the, it's the OT folks that would have control from a segment routing perspective and what you're talking about establishing those paths, they, uh, the uh, IT team, who's essentially, if I understand in this model, operating through the SD-WAN interfaces, uh, uh, over on top of it, they still only have access to what OT's made available to them, but they also don't have to wait in this scenario for the OT team to do certain things because they have a lot more control, but that control is up to a certain point because the idea is this is still keeping everybody separate and keeping everybody happy with the amount of control and their their ability to yeah you know, just control their uh, outcome right yep 
Yeah. I mean, so good. basically, you anyway. know, OT gives them gives them access, right, to to like you said, it's a transport, right, and it's you have QoS in place or you know policy in place to keep them from being able to break that, mm-hmm. right? But it, you know, but, but then now OT doesn't have to mess with it on a day to day basis, right? Then it turns over to IT to to have to do you know all the the policy enforcement. Uh, you know, all the, the additions of whether they're VRFs or VPNs, you know, depends on how, on how you slice it, right? OT doesn't have to do that. You're not touching your mission critical network for these, you know, daily changes um, on, on the OT side. So, you know, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah. And don't worry about the background noise. It sounds like someone's got a UPS package, if I were to guess. Um, I think that's on someone else's side. Uh, Question. You, you raise one of the benefits I want to talk about. It feels like this, this really applies to a specific subset of probably large customers uh, or large clients, maybe certain industries, because you're talking about the combination. You're talking about, well, everybody probably has an IT department. I don't think as many people necessarily have OT carved out separately where they're controlling their own network, except when you get to the kind of businesses that need to control their own network. And they do that because it's a it's it's their business. I think, Mike, you were telling me, he's, you said, one huge difference is OT is all about revenue. They're, you know, these are the this is the crown jewels. The business is based on this. Uh, that's one reason why they're going to be loath to, uh, or just flat stop anybody from trying to mess with that. But you feel like this is something that works for those type of customers. How, how would you describe the customer base that this is targeting and and the and the pain that it's looking to overcome? Well, I think there's a lot of different customer bases. I worked in financials for four or five years, mm. and I worked on what you call the broker dealer network. I worked at Pershing managing the broker dealer network, which is the largest broker dealer in the, in the country. And we didn't talk to the IT guys. We had a separate network. The IT guys didn't even have access to the OT network. Yeah. So that's the revenue based piece of the network, right? It's parallel. It's parallel, different circuits, everything. What we're saying now is let's bring this together, whether it's utilities and they have separate OT and IT, whether it's financials with separate revenue-based networks versus operational networks for IT and stuff, whether it's hospitals, sometimes even the universities, a lot of different businesses fall into that criteria where they have a network that provides their revenue and basically is the backbone of their business. And then they have an IT network that supports all of the individual users that actually work in the company and need to do day-to-day work, but actually isn't bringing in revenue. It's more like a cost expense versus a revenue. Why not have both of these networks being used together? In, in the past, service providers had separate, especially cable service providers, had separate video networks and separate data networks. So yeah. totally separate networks to transport video and totally separate networks to transport data. That's not existed anymore. Why? Because of cost. Yeah, Bring it all together. Use the one transport network. Provide the services to everybody in the company, however they need them. You provide the high bandwidth, low latency services to your revenue-based services and the IT network and any, anything operationally otherwise can use those services, but you can limit that with the delay-based routing, the traffic engineering, and even just in general, just having a separate same transport to be shared. You know, it, there's a lot of cost savings there. It's just, it's bringing people together. Yeah, and so redundancy, the elimination of redundancy and the, the cost of the things, I, it feels like this is also a topic that's come up historically between IT and OT when it comes to security, um, because a lot of the same investments have to be made in different areas. It, uh, and, but let's make sure I'm talking about the right thing. Are we talking about OT networks potentially that are exposed in some ways? Because do you include SCADA networks and um, 
other things like this that may have been more exposed than they used to be um, to the internet? Or is this completely isolated type customers? Depends on what you mean by isolation, right? If you're talking air gap, no, right? I mean, these are similar devices that are separating things based on encryption, BRS, you know, VPN. So, you know, that's, uh, you need to look at that. There are yeah. security ramifications, right? Um, and especially if we're going to talk about the opposite side of the coin, which is OT utilizing the SD-WAN for maybe a faster turn up of a site or higher bandwidth because they have broadband connectivity and only have a, you know, a T1 from a fiber perspective or something like that, right? But you bring up the point of that has teeth, right? And, and this isn't, we're not saying willy nilly, you're going to join these things together and everything's mm -hmm. fat, dumb and happy, right? You have to look at that sort of thing. But go back to, to Mike's previous point of when he was working in financials, right? They, if, for example, if, if that OT network had, you know, connectivity to all the same sites that the IT network needed, they would duplicate those circuits. They'd be paying right? And for, for twice the circuits and probably paying somebody else to manage the ones that IT was utilizing at a much higher cost. Like, why would you do that, right? So, yeah. you know, it's it's a double-sided coin. You got to look at the security ramifications, legal ramifications, but why are you duplicating things that cost, you know? But I think a, you're a saying the, te the technology is at a point, I think what you're both saying, the technology is at a point where you don't have to duplicate simply because of concerns with uh, accidental issues. You can design, the network can be designed in this, the way that you're speaking to prevent the, uh, because I think, I think largely when you think about these, these revenue oriented networks, you know, they want to fire, they want to build that thing and, and really not touch it much from what I understand, you know? And so the idea is, uh, anyone that's got a lot of change stuff going on, which it always does, uh, because it's kind of a different, uh, you know, mode for the business. But if you can, if you can tell me honestly, that you're separating those things and I don't have the risk of a, a fat finger issue uh, accidentally propagating across there. Um, and we assume there's always, because I'm sure really when you're talking about a dedicated network, it's probably a very highly available, high speed, you know, ridiculously um, uh, productive network, so to speak. And so when you put these things together, IT, you're not talking about, IT is not really gonna add any traffic that affects that, but either way, they're gonna carve that out with the segment routing features to be able to make sure that they've always got what they need it's never going to be threatened by IT. Am I stating that correctly? Yeah. Plus, you remember, you know, bandwidth has changed the game so much. You know, yeah. we used to talk about, you know, meg circuits. Now we talk about gig circuits to people's homes. Ideally. I mean, I used to have a 2496K board modem, you know, that did it via compression, you know. That's all you ever need. Things have changed. Yeah. yeah, things have changed dramatically. And you're paying for all this bandwidth. And in most cases... Links are underutilized in most organizations. And as long as you're just monitoring your link utilization, no matter what traffic you're putting over it, you upgrade your link when it gets to a certain point that's part of capacity planning. And instead of upgrading an IT link or because it's run out of bandwidth and then upgrading the OT link because it went out of bandwidth, you're upgrading, you're putting them everything all in one network and you're not running links at say 30 40 percent anymore you're running them at 50 60 percent if you're a service provider maybe you're running them at 50 or 60 because you want full redundancy but the point is you can take much better utilization of your link bandwidth and you can make better utilization of your network in general because with it they're going to be limited to whatever infrastructure they put in place and like you said already ot being a revenue-based uh organization or entity is going to have 
much more money to put towards transport. Yeah. Why not use that and why not use it to its fullest with segment routing, with the fast reroute, whether you need it or not, it's there. It's transparent to the overlay, the fast reroute capability and the traffic engineering, the ability to actually use links maybe for voice-based traffic. That is really crucial. You know, maybe you got some really high profile, not your everyday IT voice, but it's coming over IT. Maybe you're doing something over it. That's much more crucial, some real-time data. And now you can take advantage of that if needed by building a path between your sites that's delay-based and not bandwidth-based because you don't care about bandwidth that much. You care more about delay in that case. Yeah, which is the, the, the actual outcome of that, uh, regardless. Ryan. It's just more I mean, just, to, to answer the other side of your question, right, I think, which was, you know, can, so when they, when OT is to tack this up, or nail up this path, they can put constraints in place to make it to where that IT can't bring down the network, right? Limit the bandwidth, whatever. So, it, you know, it can't just go nuts. I think that was kind of, at least that's the way I understood your first question is, you know, can, can this take down the OT? And, you know, you would set up those paths, that underlay path on the OT side. So the answer is no, it can't, yeah. right? It could bring itself down, saturate whatever has been given to to that IT underlay. But, you know, you, you do that intelligently to where it's not going to impact the well, OT And I want to make sure we don't miss this too. So th and thank you for clarifying that because a lot of what I hear is saying is it one way to look at it is if, if I'm on the OT side, I'm like, okay, great you want me to step into a new area for the benefit of the business. We're good corporate citizens. Let's say we're agreeable for all that. Uh, IT is happy because they get just incredible uh, access to potential revenue to, uh, they also, they're, because they're expense centered, they'd love to save more money somewhere and get access to better toys um, and better performance. But you mentioned Ryan on the OT side, one benefit, is uh, you know when you talk about taking the OT network, which could be historically redundant, and maybe it's got a minimum pipe size that is going to dictate the size of the local loop, and some other things that are going to keep you from turning up a site faster. You were saying, but repeat it for me to make sure I got it right. That SD WAN enables, you know, the idea of instead of it being a binary, you either turn up this site quickly or you wait quite a long time till it's ready to be turned up. But this maybe provides you a middle ground to where you could add a site at a lower bandwidth understanding that maybe it's only half your application needs are going to be addressed through that until the rest of it's in there, but at least you're up and running and, you know, fundamentally productive. Right. 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 I mean, and so, yeah, and so instead of, you know, just it benefiting from the network of OT, right. Have it flipping that script, right. And having OT being able to benefit from it. Now, again, we have to look at the teeth of that the ramifications of that. But applications that that could feasibly run over, uh, you know, legally over the internet as a transport or you know over you know some sort of non-terrestrial link, whatever, right? Looking at that and being able to to then utilize SD WAN to carve out that traffic and send it across while you're waiting six, nine, twelve months for you know a last mile backhaul or something like that, right? That happens a lot when you're when you're trenching your own fiber. Right. So so flipping that and, and being able to utilize SD-WAN for OT where it makes sense. Right. I, I can tell I, I can hear OT guys listening to this right now being like, oh, you can't do that. Right. And like, th those are discussions. Mike and I have been involved with them with a lot of different companies. Right. There's stuff you can absolutely do. You have to be intelligent about it. But, you know, look at that and, and leverage it in the where it makes sense. Well, I, you guys are always pragmatic about your approach. So I know you don't 
throw this stuff out just then. Here's an idea. Um, but talk, the, you know, this actually came up as I understand it from you guys talking to customers and we don't want to mention names or probably even too much about the industry. So new lines could be drawn, but can you tell me a little bit about, um, you know, what, what are the, what are the customers saying in terms of why they're looking at this specifically? Maybe what are their fears? What is it that they think this is going to do versus what are the things that might hold them back from this and, and keep them from taking that leap? I don't know whoever wants to potentially dive into parts of that. I think the biggest fear, honestly, is just the fact that these entities work separately. So it's it's a mind fear more so than the layer anything. eight it's political a, layer. Yeah, it's a, it's a way of changing the way you do business. Yeah. If you've got a transport network and it's a segment routing transport network, even if it isn't, but if it's MPLS, whatever it might be, hopefully you've enabled QoS in your network and when you provide services to anybody else, it's sort of like a good example, because I worked in service provider for 15 years, is service providers transport their own traffic, their own video, their own voice, because they provide those services. Then they transport the customer's internet traffic. What do you think drops in a service provider network when there's congestion on a link, if you were to guess? Probably their own stuff. The internet traffic. Yeah because everything is marked at a priority and all internet traffic gets, even if when you get from customers that have dedicated circuits like MPLS circuits, their class of service is in three queues that fall below the queues of the service provider voice and video network. So the service provider never drops its own control plane voice or video traffic. It always drops the customer traffic, even if it is a gold-based standard traffic, which has priority through the network, it's going to get before get through before the internet traffic. So if the customer subscribes a voice, he's going to get his voice traffic through before some other customer gets his internet, but you're never going to step on the service provider's own traffic, their own voice, their own video. Why? Because you have QoS and you implement it in a fashion that does not. So the point is, it's very easy to design a network with these type of resiliencies. It's no fear of putting this other IT traffic on top of the transport network, as long as you're doing things like QoS to control the network. And then you can also do things with traffic engineering and you can actually present part of the network with like something called FlexAlgo to the, to the IT network that is totally different path then your other part of your network, which is being dedicated for say OT, you have that ability now. Okay, yeah, so in other words, you're not network. counting on them to promise not to touch something. They're not- Sort of like if you've heard the term, aren't even aware. Yeah, exactly. You're not counting on them to promise you and, 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 and hey, works. play nicely, otherwise uh, we're gonna have a problem. 5G slicing, right? Same type of thing. Let's slice the network up into segments and only use certain parts of the network for certain things. And that's where FlexAlgo comes into play. Ryan, what are you gonna say? No, I mean, I, I, I agree, Red, when, you know, it's, I would say it's less of a fear and more of this paradigm of two completely separate teams that, that do not seem to even work for the same company, right? They don't, they, they have different you know, goals, they, they right? Don't, yeah, historically. Different goals sit in different offices, have different reporting structures. So, you know, there are some some legitimate fears about, you know, security and whatever that, that again, we, we, we can talk about and we can overcome. But I don't even think it's a fear factor that that's kept this in the past. It's literally they're not aware of each other's offerings, right? Mm. And and don't talk enough to to be able to think through can can we help each other, right? Can we literally work for the same company and and save it money and and do things together and not give up any of our fiefdoms, right? Yeah. Like you, you can do this, like Mike was saying, you can protect that. 
IT has, does not have the ability to then bring down the OT network. You can you can easily make that you know a possibility, or you know a realistic expectation. And then you know these guys are are now uh, offering uh, better service because they're leveraging each other's network. Is this the type of change? And we've seen a lot of these because you you hinted at a mic in the at the beginning in terms of how we have converged various technologies that you know we would have sworn back in the day were always going to be on their own. Um, but and so yeah, I think you were kind of just kind of foreshadowing the fact that this type of thing is probably going to happen, you know, quickly or, or you know, slower, quick. Either way, it's going to happen over time. And and you guys tend to work with forward-thinking customers that are interested in outmaneuvering their competition. This is an area if you consider outmaneuvering to be kind of be more flexible at a lower cost uh, and still provide a high degree or or better service. But is this an edict that has to kind of come from the top since it surrounds two distinct separate organizations and not necessarily engineers kind of saying, hey, we'd like to do this and working it out over coffee? Well, a lot of times that's the case. You know, when you, you hit the nail on the head, it's all about cost, right? Yeah. If you're building separate networks like they did in the past with Service Provider doing, you know, voice and video over one network and, and data over another network, that gets really expensive. When you converge the two, you save a ton of money especially when it comes to capacity planning and bandwidth expansion and links needing to be upgraded. Quite often, you're not upgrading a link because you now have enough bandwidth because you have a larger link between the two. And from a company that's buying services and buying links from service providers and ca carriers like Level 3 and stuff, you know they're going to buy less number of links because they're going to use one large bandwidth link, which is going to cost them less than each link that's being delivered if you're doing multiple links. Yeah. So yes, it does have to come from the top, I believe. But I don't think there's a, I think there's some room to maneuver on the engineering side. If these guys start coming together and thinking and they propose this up the chain, who's going to say, no, hey, we can save a, a million dollars yeah. a year because we can consolidate this bandwidth. We can cut down these 10 links and we pay $100,000 a a year for each one of these links, $10,000 a month or whatever it might be. And, and who, who, who in the VP or CIO level is going to say no to some engineering group that comes in with this type of design methodology that's going to save the company by money by consolidating networks? Yeah, it's interesting because it feels like it's a combination of things because you need the engineers to buy off and say, yes, this is technically feasible and it's not you know, some unforeseen risk, uh, you know, Mike and Ryan weren't making stuff up as they went along per se, uh, you know, we'll assume that's the case, um, you know, and that type of thing. But the, so, it, but you need the leadership who sees the total cost, you know, perhaps out of balance um, and to know that something is technically possible. So this is the, as you're saying, you, I pictured as you're saying that, Mike, this is the, uh, uh, you know, we, I don't know, back in the day, people put out the, the tip, the not tip jars, but uh, suggestion boxes. You know, yeah, and I'm yeah. always like, I was always kind of a bitter employee that never filled out, you know, things like that. I'm like, they're not going to, you know, but, but I guess somebody, I can save $3 million, you know, with this, you know, here's an annualized, tuck in an Excel spreadsheet in there, um, showing some graphs. But no, that's interesting. I, what else is important to understand here? Because you guys, well, let's jump to straight to this because I, I want to, um, in fact, I'll bring up, I think I've got something to kind of show, you know, where it's kind of a new area where these things are coming across. And so you guys mentioned you're already working with customers now. Is it, um, is it primarily the, the work that you're doing is helping them understand, well, what would be the implementation of something like this? They're already kind of thinking this looks like superficially at the very least. That, I that think at, at a higher, at a higher level, Rob, it's that 
you you know WWT has the capabilities to where you have a call that both Mike and I are going to be a part of, mm. right? Because that's that's not a normal thing in the industry. A lot of folks either focus on one side or the other side, right? That even you know partners uh, are are just as segmented, right? But the fact that that Mike and I join the same calls, we've known each other for years, right? We 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 understand like that's that's the beginning of the conversation right he's in meetings that i wouldn't normally be invites me in vice versa right and we can bring this up to get you know these customers thinking yeah. like okay maybe this isn't an option right they they it just might not have even been thought about in the past that's good mike you agree yeah and this is definitely in the conceptual phase i think some companies are really starting to look at this more carefully, but it's been in the conceptual phase for a couple of years. And now there's been a lot more traction with segment routing. So now people, because SD-WAN's had a lot of traction for years. Yeah. And it saves a lot of money. I mean, it's- Well, and, to be fair, we're not, segment routing is not new. Have, um, no, it's in, not. In fact, if you want to say a few words about where we're going with SRV6 um, uh, briefly, because I think that's important too, you're staying on top of those trends, working closely with some of the originators of the, uh, the programming, right? Yeah, so so when we talk about segment routing, right we, now we've been talking about SRMPLS, which is basically using segment routing with an MPLS data plane. But SRV6 eliminates that MPLS data plane because MPLS is actually a shim that sits between layer two and layer three. When we do SRV6, we do it natively in the IPv6 destination header address. And that allows us to do things like service chaining, network function virtualization. So basically forwarding packets, not just from a traffic engineering path along a traffic engineered transport network, but also to a particular service. We can engineer the packet to a service, whether it's a firewall, a deep packet inspector, whatever it might be. So that gives you much more flexibility. And yeah. there's also that caveat that people don't really want to talk about sometimes, but that is, you know, the internet ultimately is an IPv6 network. So with the advent of encryption, we can do SRV6 over the internet if we choose to. It's up to the customer, but it's definitely it's an a option. route choice. They get another route it's choice. It's a route choice. Yeah, yeah. And, and in that some means cases, it might make sense. In other cases, it may not. Well, and what and I was reading your article. Uh, we I think there's a link to it. We have in the if you're as you watch this on the platform, uh, but also it'll be it's under the segment routing overview. Uh, you guys, um, one thing I like, you guys are always kind of publishing and speaking about things. I don't know where you find the time, uh, but in the article, as you kind of mentioned, do I understand correctly? Also, the SRV six is a simplification of what was a simplification because we're doing it with MPLS. It's kind of an overlay underlay, even just amongst itself, but it's a bit more native with IPv six as well. Um, totally native, yeah. all IPv6. So you basically, can, you can fit it in there. Yeah. Intermediate, intermediate routers only need to understand IPv6. As far as they're concerned, when they see the packet, the destination address is an IPv6 packet. They have no idea that it's some encoded packet that actually is a segment routing function as part of the actual destination address. And that's what makes it so flexible. And that's what makes the transition to SRV6 easy. Only the edge routers often referred to in like service fires, PE routers, only the routers performing services really need to understand SRV6. All the other routers just need to be doing IPv6 and that's it. So that's mm. what makes it that much more simplified. Makes for a smooth transition. And, and powerful too. The powerful. Yeah, getting more yeah. with less, um, less devices in the in the middle there. Um, and Ryan, Linux understands yeah. SRV6. Just one last thing. Yeah. Linux understands SRV6 natively Already. for the last four years. So that's a big thing too. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I think we get unnecessarily scared with the hexadecimal. Um, 
Maybe yeah. that's just me. <laughs> there I go projecting again. No, everybody does. Everybody yeah. does. Like those are long numbers. Um, yep. Anything more than a phone number, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> Ryan, final comment, just important things to remember coming away from uh, this conversation. Uh, anything we forgot? No, all right. I mean, the, the, the takeaway from this is, is you know, let's try to bring IT and OT together, right? And this is this is one step. There are other pieces that make sense throughout, you know, various networks. So have those conversations, get folks like Mike and I together on a call to, you know, maybe bring some thought leadership that, that uh, others just that people haven't thought about things yet, right? Like, yeah, I think that's important. The way I've joked in the past about you guys being therapists at Worldwide because you are on the phone with customers, you're helping broker conversations between groups uh, in many different ways, uh, you know, but these are two really big, distinct, and separate groups. But it's interesting. I also, it, hopefully, it's not an oversimplification, but I also think what you guys are speaking of is it seems so logically um, appropriate. Uh, because segment routing has proven itself and continues to grow and, and adopt. Perhaps SD-WAN has even more traction in the market, especially, you know, for, certainly from the IT side uh, over time. These are not new technologies. This sounds, and you're, what you're saying is, is that you're seeing evidence that these things can work together to keep the demarcation lines clean and separate so you don't have to overcome that necessarily in the transition. You can actually open up the business to uh, better operational capabilities at a lower cost uh, using potentially technologies they may already have than uh, starting to deploy or have deployed. That, yes. Uh, summary okay yeah, there? Agreed. Excellent. Yeah. Well, to our audience, you guys know who you are. Thank you so much for, for joining. This is a, these technologies, look at these links uh, because there are certain things, and you know you can follow at www.wt.com. If you're watching this live, then uh, chances are high that you're already understanding how to log in. But hopefully you're taking advantage. You're going and looking at Mike's profile, Ryan's profile. You can see on there on the platform that continue to invest to see, well, uh, where's more information on this? Can I follow a topic like segment routing? Absolutely you can. Uh, you can find other experts that these guys work with because there's actually quite a few uh, in all of these areas. But the point is they're made available to you as a, as a customer to say, how can we help you do things better, more easily, and overcome barriers perhaps that seemed uh, insurmountable uh, before we had a chance to work with you on it. Um, either way, that's Tech 37. Mike, did you have one more thing? Looked like you wanted to say something. No, I just want to say thank you. Appreciate, <laughs> I'll take that. appreciate right. giving us the time. Absolutely. Well, this is our, this is our show. Uh, thank you guys so much. Appreciate your time. And to those of you who are here, I appreciate your time as well. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll go ahead and wrap things up there. Thank you guys.